When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation podcast. A podcast that slaps harder than Gary Moeller after 11 Michelobes at an Excalibur. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you elegant orangutan of a man. Good to be back with you. It's a twofer this week. We're going to get so much mileage out of Gary Moeller just retroactively. Like, we should have done it in the 90s, but, you know, podcasts weren't really around. So I'm glad we can do this, especially twice in one week. It's always a pleasure. It's glorious. Yeah, now we're just going to be Googling and Wikipediaing all these former Michigan uh, personnel so that we can find out these hilarious things they do, like Fielding Yost, the son of a Confederate uh, general in, in the Civil War. <laughs> so probably a little racist, Fielding Yost. <laughs> I think more I think it was just a soldier. I don't know if it was all the way to general level, but you know, I could coach a football team. <laughs> Say what you will. Hell of a racist, <laughs> though. But. All right. Well, we're here this week. We're not just we're not just here for the fun of it, even though that's that's part of the game. We're here because there actually is some uh, some breaking news that we wanted to address, and also basketball. We haven't touched on it a little bit. The rosters have been finalized, and there was quite a bit of movement there towards the end. So, uh, got a nice basketball segment. We're going to bring on Kellen Voss, also of Mazenbrew.com talk some basketball but first to the news and this is pretty major news i would have to say uh just came through across twitter i saw that ucla and usc will be joining the big 10 as soon as 2024 this is not official yet but it's pretty much a done deal from everything that i'm reading uh just needs to be some some final details hashed out about how this is going to work and I, I, we don't know yet if this means other teams are getting pushed out of the Big Ten or what, but two absolutely huge additions, uh, particularly USC in football and UCLA in basketball. So uh, what are your uh, immediate thoughts about this, uh, the, this restructuring of the Big Ten here? Oh, boy. This is quite a lot to take in, and it feels like we're really trending to the two mega conferences of the Big Ten and the SEC forming right now. And this is... It's a lot to take in. It's hard to process whether it's good, whether it's bad. This just came through today, but um, just initial thoughts are I'm, I'm excited. Like I think having like Michigan playing in the Coliseum or USC playing in the big house, like in September or even in November, let this Californians get a taste of the cold weather here in the Midwest uh, is good. It's going to be a lot of fun for football. It makes the conference just deadly in uh, both sports, basketball 
and football. I mean, even further through track, baseball, softball, everything. So this is exciting times to be a part of the Big Ten. But I guess if you're a remaining member of the Pac-12, probably frightening. Yeah, uh, we finally get to disagree on something. I'm not a fan of this move. Um, I knew it was coming. So, I mean, it's kind of like get on board or get out of the way. This is the way things are headed. Like you mentioned, the two mega conferences, I for sure see that happening. It's like this is probably the death knell of, you know, the power five conferences and stuff, honestly, because you lose USC, who is, I mean, I would say that USC is the flagship program of the Pac-12. Wouldn't you say? Who else would it be? Oregon? No, I agree with you. And this is the thing I'm I'm in agreement where I, I don't like this breaking up what college football was because I like the regionality, if that's a word, of football, of like you have the Big Ten style, the Pac-12 style, but um, the inevitability of it I've come to grips with where this is how it's going to be. I guess this is what you got to look at. And I would rather add USC and UCLA than like Ball State and Vanderbilt. Yeah, no, absolutely. If we are going to expand, I mean, we want the Big Ten Conference to be the best, and now it's just going to be an arms race with the SEC to see who can go grab up the Oregons, the Washingtons, the Clemsons, the Notre Dames of the world. Um, It's a weird, weird time to be a college football fan, but at the end of the day, money rules everything, and and that's what happened here. So it, it all basically comes down to programming rights, and I don't think we're the guys to talk about that. But like you said, we knew it was coming, so get on board or get out of the way and we did get I mean just from a football perspective USC who is I mean I think it's unfortunate because they've been a doormat for 10 years and now all indications are that they're going to be a powerhouse under Lincoln Riley and then UCLA who with Chip Kelly uh, turned the corner to respectability last year with Zach Charbonnet and Dorian Thompson Robinson so they're, they're starting to become a little bit more respectable there and you know, it, from a football standpoint, I think we got better today. Now, the question is, do we push two people out? Who would that be? Do we add more? Do we try to get to 20 to 24? How do you see this happening? What's the next move now? I don't think expansion is going to stop. I think it's just going to continue to grow. And it, like you said, it's an arms race between the Big Ten and the SEC. And this is such a weird time because I feel like ever since uh, the NCA was ruled against in the case regarding uh, NIL and all that took off. I feel like the NCAA has been non-existent. I feel like they're at waiting for people to beg them to come back and like regulate things and help take over. And no one's going to do that, but there needs to be something done if they want to preserve college football with the transfer portal and where it is and everything else. But ever since that ruling, I feel like the NCAA is just kind of sitting there like a pouting child, just like, okay, well, you want us to come help you? Like, you better ask nicely. It's like, no, like step in and do your job. It's, it's a little strange, and I understand it seems just things like certain things are spiraling at the moment, but I don't think expansion is going to stop. I don't see it just like yo-yoing back and forth. It's just going to continue to build. No, it is, which is a shame because I remember back like in the days of the Navy, there were guys from all over the country, and we had really intense and at times like – really strong and informed debates about which conference was the strongest. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, I enjoyed that type of rivalry with like, otherwise, you know, normally you don't really have much to discuss with a Miami fan or a Clemson fan or an Oregon fan, but, you know, trying to compare these, these uh, regional conferences, you know, in, in such a way that they were was enjoyable. And I think, like you said, that is probably gone now. So we've just got to embrace it. And there won't be that conference pride anymore. That's established with like, Hey, in the big West, you know, we play in the cold of the, of the winter and stuff and outdoors Um, that changes now with like USC is going to come play Wisconsin in November. Like it's going to get weird. And like, conversely, Michigan's going to travel out to an abandoned UCLA stadium to go play in November. Like, it's strange in a lot of ways. It's, it's going to be completely strange. We're going to get some strange matchups. Um, the geography of it is strange. Like Rutgers to USC is quite a flight. I mean, you probably need a layover on that thing. I mean, it's it's strange, man. I mean, there's a lot of angles that we can talk mm-hmm. about this from. But um, who do you think is next to join the Big Ten or join the SEC. You have to, like you mentioned, the Pac-12 is probably looking around right now like the Will Smith and a Fresh Prince Bel-Air meme. Yeah, it feels like the Pac-12 is looking towards the Big Ten, and it feels like Big 12 schools are looking towards the SEC, and the ACC is just kind of floating around, not really knowing what to do because all the talks of the alliance from a year ago between the conferences seems to have faded into the wind. 
I don't know who's next. It's going to be an interesting domino to fall because uh, the Big 12 has held like, held packed ever since uh, Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving for the SEC in the coming years. And now with the new two additions to the Big 10 leaving the Pac-12, I have no idea where it's going to come from next. Maybe the ACC, maybe a smaller conference. I know the Big 12 added uh, three schools, Cincinnati, and two others in the future. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. All right, give me the four teams you would want to see come to get us to 20, to the Big Ten. Hmm. Let me give you – I'm going to give you a school from a couple conferences here. All Spread right. it out. So I would I would love to see um, – <laughs> just because I'd love to play Josh Gaddis, I would love Miami from the <laughs> ACC to come join. Like if we're going to stretch all the way down, let's lean into it. But a more realistic one would probably be Virginia from the ACC, have them come in, really boost, your, uh, boost basketball – uh, lighter in football, obviously, uh, even our Virginia Tech there uh, for the Pac-12. I would love to see Washington added. They had played Michigan this past year in the non-conference, played Michigan State this year. There's rich history from the Holiday Bowl, from uh, Rose Bowls of past, and from the Big 12, to add somebody like Iowa State. Like, it's already right there in Iowa. We play Iowa. Been a member, a charter member of the Big Ten forever. So I think those would be three schools I would look towards. Just I'm just going off geography, which we're learning doesn't mean anything anymore. No, no, it really doesn't. I thought Nebraska was a bit of a stretch, but we went ahead and went with that. Um, how about Utah? Just from, like, a, like a fundamental, like, Big Ten type of school? You know, they. I mean, that seems like a Big Ten type school. I agree with you on Virginia Tech. West Virginia could make some sense. Uh, Notre Dame is the obvious one that's been hanging out there forever. And uh, Mike Golick, uh, you know, he's all things Notre Dame, did tweet that he expects if anything's going to get Notre Dame into a conference, it would be this, um, you know, because this this just likely leads to the ACC breaking apart, too. So it's fascinating, man. There's going to be a lot of names to watch. But, yeah, I would say Utah, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and then maybe like a Boston College or something to me, or Iowa State was another good one as well. Um, I could see I could see something like that happening. That would be great. But let's see what the SEC does now too. I mean, uh, Clemson is probably the big get here, um, and I don't see them if they're going anywhere. It's probably the SEC. So it's fascinating, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to to see where we end up with. Uh, it's the shame. I won't say it's the death of college football, but. It is the uh, the paralysis of college football as we knew it for for many many years. Yeah, this is a complete just changeover period. I don't know if it's an evolution or what, but it's it's changing. And like we alluded to at the beginning, at the top was this is how it's going to be. Like whether we like it or not, you can kick and scream all you want. College football is going to change, and there's going to have to be something that's settled with how the schedule is done and everything else. Especially there's twenty team conferences, but. It's, it's hard to stay positive, but the one thing I know is we're still going to play Ohio State every season. Yeah, they're not getting rid of that. They're not getting rid of Michigan State. So, like, they're going to try and manufacture some new rivalries, I guess. Like, oh, everyone gear up for USC-Iowa. Like, oh, yeah, these uh, these perennial enemies. Like, we'll, we'll find a way to make it fun. <laughs> um, you know, and, it, and it'll end up being some gigantic smorgasbord. But, you know, we kind of have seen this coming for a few years. Uh, wanted to touch on recruiting really quickly. There was a decommitment that really seemed to stir some uh, dissension up on Twitter, and that was uh, our highest commit, Raylan Wilson, linebacker, uh, decommits. He's probably all but locked up at Georgia. Takes us down to 55th in rankings uh, from 247 Sports as far as recruiting. Uh, we have one four-star and then a couple three-stars. It's a little bleak, but... I said on Twitter, I'm putting my panic level at a five and a half out of 10. I'm not going to raise it yet, but it is starting to become like uh, what's going on because we're coming off of a big 10 championship. It should be a lot easier this year. Uh, what are your thoughts? What's your panic level about Michigan recruiting? <clears throat> Yesterday's price is not today's price. And it feels like recruiting has not gotten easier after a Big Ten championship. Recruiting college football never gets easier. It just gets more expensive. And it feels like Michigan isn't ready to pay the bill yet. So something might have to evolve there. But seeing Jim Harbaugh on vacation, it's giving me very Bill Belichickian vibes during like mad dashes at free agency. Just kind of chilling, relaxing. Seems very just 
you know, to himself. And it gives me confidence. I'm, I'm the same as you panic meters right in the middle. If this, if this is the same standing or worse by August, then I'm going to have a lot of concerns, but it's, it's very, it's a little strange right now. It's how, how calm the program seems. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean into confidence with them because they've earned that confidence after last season and how we thought, you know, everything was burning down. So they've earned a little bit of a grace period, but uh, if this is the same way in August, then, then we're going to have real issues. I really love your last point there that they've earned this grace period. They've earned our trust. So I'm giving it to them and I'm not going to freak out on Twitter or in my own personal life. Uh, let's wait and see what they're able to put together. I mean, we've kind of realized here over the last couple seasons, Harbaugh has gone away from going after the pure five stars, the Rashawn Gary's and the Donovan Peoples Jones and are trying to just get more of his guys. You know, that's just been something that's, uh, you know, you can see it from the type of guys he's bringing in, but also just something you're kind of hearing from coaches and, and players around there. And uh, Raylan Wilson, I mean, I was super excited for him. It, it's a bummer. It's a big decommitment, but there are still a lot of players out there that haven't committed. What does concern me, and this is also unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm hearing Michigan does not want to do strict pay to play or pay to come here. With the NIL, they're doing, you know, they, they set up that Victor's fund so that the, the kids that do come here are going to get paid and potentially get paid more than other uh, schools can offer. But they're not doing, hey, we're going to give you eight million to come here. And if you're a 17, 18 year old kid in Tennessee is like, yeah, like they they might pay you. But one in the hand is worth two in the bush. Here's eight million right now, which I, I don't agree with either, because I mean, why are you paying someone for what they haven't done? You pay them. You should be paying them for, you know, what they do on the field and what they do for the school and the fact that they're getting good grades and stuff. I think that's how it should be done. But it's not right now. So what do you what do you make of that? That idea that Michigan refuses to do the the pay to come here and play? <clears throat> Well, twofold uh, at first. I think one, the pay to play the freshmen like that or transfers is very dangerous because you're going to have new guys and freshmen making a lot of money more than seniors or guys that have grinded within the program. And I think that can cause dissension. Like all of this has been very surface level of we'll pay you, you come here. It's like, how does that interact with the, between the guys, between the ones that are just day in, day out grinders, really important to the team, but may not draw the headlines? Like that's going to cause issues. And money is going to cause issues as it does for everybody in life, especially teenagers. So I think this can come around and uh, in a negative way for a lot of these teams. And secondly, recruiting classes matter less now than they ever have because of the activity in the transfer portals. Like maybe they, maybe their strategy has changed to where they need to improve from 55, but it's like, okay, 45% of these players we see and we're missing out on are going to transfer in a year or two years anyway. So we can move around then shake and move is like we see Michigan state do. So I don't think it's as important as it once was because there's so much movement. If you utilize the portal correctly, but for Michigan, they do need to get on board at the end of it. They need to, it doesn't have to be the 8 million up front, but that's be a little modernization or you're going to fall behind until that fall from grace occurs. And I talked to it first. I, I totally agree with a lot of what you said there. And, um, you know, there's the Quinn Ewers uh, who went to Ohio State and the Tate Martell. And there's these examples of guys that are getting the bag and then not even staying there to play one snap. You know, Quinn Ewers got a million dollars to come to Ohio State. He's already gone. He's already in Texas. So I would worry about that. And I hope the NIL, like I hope the NCAA does fix that because, kids are just going to go get that 8 million from boosters and then they can up and transfer. Like not that I care about these boosters who have crazy amounts of money to throw at these kids, probably better off in these kids pockets, but it's also just a dumb product because then you've got kids just getting 8 million transferring all around. You can't keep track of who's who they're not even getting on the field. Like it screws with their development too. When you're already worth $8 million and you think you don't have to go out there and actually work hard to, to make money in this, in this sport, in this game. So I think it could affect some kids developments, especially at the quarterback position where you're seeing giant amounts of money being thrown. So um, I, I just think we need to figure out how the NIL is going to work and, and how this is going to work moving forward. Sounds like Michigan is trying to get ahead of this in thinking that it's not going to be allowed to do the pay for play. And it's going to have to be like once you're on campus, you can earn money kind of thing. But for right now, it looks like they're falling behind, but, we got to give it more time to see how it shakes out. And one classic case of this right now is Amani Bates. 
former one, number one recruit in the basketball class that reclassified, went secured the bag at Memphis, and now he transferred to the uh, lauded program of Eastern Michigan. Yikes. So there is a downside to this. There definitely is. And I mean, I don't even know where Tate Martell is at right now or if he's played whatsoever. I mean, he's pretty much out of college. Sears. He's at Sears. <laughs> I'm just assuming. <laughs> is that even still a store? That's Sears. That is a 1950s corporation. Is he even still a quarterback? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's even still a person. But um, all right. Well, uh, that was a good transition that you gave me right there with Amani Bates. We're going to take a break. We're going to switch over to basketball. We're bringing in our good friend Kellen Voss after the break. And uh, we're going to talk Michigan basketball. Some of the pros that just got drafted, what their success chances are. Uh, we've got this roster finalized. We're going to go through that and more right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are moving over to basketball in the second half of this podcast, and we have a special guest to do it with, and that is the man, the myth, the legend, Kellen Voss of Mason Brew. Kellen, we've been wanting to do this for a while. Welcome, my friend. Looking forward to this chat. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It feels so good to finally be able to do this. You know, with my with my work schedule, it's a little hard to uh, to to be, to be on podcasts at night or anything. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk ball with you guys. Yeah. The rumor is on the streets that you have to carry four chargers with you at all times. <laughs> oh no, I'm not Sham Charania. That I, I don't, I don't feel, uh, I feel terrible for him on days like today with today being a, the free agency uh, kickoff or whatever, but yeah, that can't be a fun life to live. Kellen Sharania here with us to talk about all the breaking news that's happened with Michigan basketball. And we've got quite a bit to cover, actually. That's why we felt there there was cause for a second pod this week. So let's get into it, man. Want to start with some of the draftees. Uh, the NBA draft has concluded both Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate were taken both in the second round. Caleb Houston early on by Orlando Musa Diabate in the 40s by Los Angeles. Uh, start wherever you want. Just want to want to know what you think about these fits. Uh, how do you see them fitting in with the team and, and what kind of chance do you give them for success and start wherever you want, which, which, whatever one Houston or Diabate. I mean, I think that they both make the roster for both, for both squads. I think that's pretty easy to, to, to assume at this point. Um, honestly, I kind of like Diabate's outlook better because Diabate can kind of have the chance to grow with the Clippers a little bit and kind of, kind of, isn't going to be asked to do as much as Houston would. I would, I would expect, uh, you know, he can develop, they got a great defense over there that, that he can be a great part of. Uh, he'll be with a lot of playmakers like Reggie Jackson, Kawhi Leonard and, and uh, Paul George and stuff. I'm ashamed of myself for mentioning Reggie Jackson first out of that trio. Maybe that's my Detroit sports bias, but whatever, we're going to move on. Uh, Caleb Houston uh, with the magic. I mean, the magic just have so many Wolverines at this point with both the Wagner brothers. Iggy Brasdakis is technically a free agent right now, but it looks like he's going to resign with the magic here. I don't know. I, I think Musa probably has an easier path for playing time, considering that 
the Clippers did re-sign Zubach, but they didn't re-sign Hardenstein, so they might play him in that backup role or think they might play him in that backup role. Whereas, you know, with with Houston, you know, it, 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 I just – I don't love Houston as a prospect if you're going off just what uh, he did at Michigan and everything. Uh, I, I, You know, he was a great three-point shooter at home, but he was a streaky shooter at best, not a great defender, didn't create shots very well. You know, you look at his under-19 tape in Canada, and you know what the guy can do and stuff. I just I just hope that they can both tap into their full potentials with the team. But I, I feel more confident about Diabate. What do you what do you think, Andy? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, actually. Jared and I uh, disagreed uh, initially going into the draft, but de- like where they landed, we've come to an agreement that we like Moose's outlook a lot better there. And I feel like he could be like the, uh, like the Aldi version of Montrez Harrell. Like right yeah. now, like still young, but can give you nice reserve minutes off the bench, a lot of high energy. And I think the biggest thing for me is everything that uh, for Musa Diabate that he's lacking is he can learn. But a lot of things with Caleb Houston, like the intangibles, the aggressiveness, I think is really difficult to learn, especially at this age in your life. Mm-hmm. So, and he's going to a team that has a million wing players. So, yeah. Very good. I mean, they drafted Paolo Bancaro already going there with our boy Franz. You mentioned Iggy Brasdakis. Like, it is just such an interesting situation, very precarious for him to be drafted in. So, um, in the next five years, which player do you think is in the better situation if both if both are still in the league? Oh, 100% Diabate. Just because there's always going to be a spot. I, I wrote about this about when my NBA Fits article a few weeks ago. But there's always going to be a place in the NBA for guys who can defend multiple positions and guard the rim and be good rebounders. We just saw how important Robert Williams was for the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals a few weeks ago. You know, I I just like I think that it's probably ends up being Diabate just because he has that defensive versatility where the offensive game comes along. Who knows? I, I, I like to think that I mean, obviously, Caleb has the higher ceiling. But I think just because of Moose's higher floor, I like him to stick around in the league for a little bit. I could see him being a big part of a team's playoff rotation down the line, whether it's with the Clippers or with a different playoff team. I just think Moose Diabate is a winning basketball player. We saw that at Michigan, and I hope that that can translate into the, into the NBA here. I like a lot of what you guys said there. I totally agree that Moose is in the better situation. Caleb Houston is the uh, higher upside prospect. But one thing I do want to mention, I listened to every freaking NBA draft podcast that existed leading up to this draft because I was so excited for it. And uh, one thing that was pretty consistent, including Mike Schmidt said this, who is now the GM of um, where did he go? Mike Schmitz is at uh Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, oh, yeah good yeah. for him. Yeah, good yeah. For him. I, I really hope that works out for him. He yeah, seems like yeah. A good guy. He yeah. seems like a good guy. But one of the things that was pretty consistent amongst these guys is the hardest thing to develop, and the the thing that develops usually uh, least frequently is like on ball creation. Like being able to create on your get your own shot is one of the hardest things to to teach. And Caleb Houston can, to some degree, get his own shot. Uh, Musa Diabate, the things that he does really well, which is all on the defensive side, all on the hustle side, all on the athleticism side. That's pretty easy to learn the stuff he needs to learn shot creation, um, you know, like the, just dribbling, just basic like on ball stuff. Uh, he's got a ways to go. So um, I, I while I agree he's in a better situation, Houston's the better prospect, but he went to Orlando and Andy, you really mentioned it, it's going to be tough to crack through there. So neither one in a great fit. I would have loved to have seen maybe like uh, somebody go to the Spurs or something like that, somewhere like that where they could really or the Grizzlies Houston to the Warriors would have made a whole lot of sense just to be in that system and and to be able to thrive off those you know three-point kicks and everything like that I kind of I wish that they both would have gone to more established situations but hey maybe this will give them a chance for more playing time in this in this case yeah that's a good point and Orlando I mean like you mentioned the Orlando Wolverines it is certainly abnormal to have that many Wolverines on one team I mean there's not that many Wolverines kicking around but 80% of them are down in Orlando right now uh, it, it's extremely strange, and it's going to make for an entertaining product to watch. So I'm excited about that. Pulling for both of these guys, um, but let's switch over now to the 2022 Michigan Wolverine basketball team, uh, which the ro- the roster should be pretty much finalized now with the uh, commitment of Yusef Kayet out of Lebanon, the 6'10", 195 
wing um, who's been playing in the Le- the Lebanese league. I don't know the name of that league. Maybe you know it, Kellen, but playing with with grownups now. Uh, give me your initial thoughts on this basketball roster. It's certainly not what we thought it was going to be uh, last year coming into this season. I'm going to take a stab at pronouncing this. I think it's Limoges CSP. It's technically he played with a French with a France team most recently, an under-21 program. Um, but, yeah, Kaya's obviously a super important important piece to look at. I'm nervous going into this Michigan season. I really want to be optimistic about it, but it's like there's so much youth. It's, it's a younger roster than last year, and last year was a young roster. I mean, when you factor in guys that are drafted, guys that graduate, guys that uh, go to the transfer portal – Michigan lost seven of their top 10 scores from last season. So that's a lot you got to replace. Thankfully, Hunter Dickinson's coming back. You got key pieces like Terrence Williams coming back. Kobe Bufkin, you're hoping, can make that leap sophomore year. Uh, Jalen Llewellyn should be a, a solid uh, point guard for you, the Princeton transfer. But, yeah, you really just you really just look at down the roster. You really want one of these young guys like Isaiah Barnes, Will Cheddar, uh, Doug McDaniel, the point guard coming in, Terrace Reed. You're really asking a lot out of those guys right out of the gate, and you really hope that a few of them break out. And if they don't, then this Michigan team might be even worse than last year's squad, which was pretty ugly to watch at times. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, um, I want to go off of that. And I one thing I learned this week that I had no idea about was that Jalen Newellen was a former top 100 prospect, a high four-star from 24-7 sports. So that was kind of surprising to me, like that this guy had just gone under the radar like that. Um, I, I'm, I would say I'm a little more optimistic. I'm more intrigued by this team. Like, I think there's a lot of fun to be had, a lot of things to shake out, a lot of question marks. I don't place a very high ceiling on them initially until I actually see the product on the court. There's just too many question marks surrounding it, but getting back into the actual like lineup of it, like if you could at this time, what do you think would you project the starting lineup to be, um, when the big 10, when not when the big 10 tournament, when big 10 play begins next season? Uh, let's see when big time play begins. I wrote about this, uh, last week, but yeah, I'd, I'd expect Llewellyn and Buffkin to be your starting guards alongside Jet Howard. I think Jet Howard ends up taking that small forward spot. He's the best shooter on the roster. He probably might end up being the best shot creator on the roster. He could end up growing into Michigan's go-to offensive player moving in. I mean, he's got that potential. He's got that upside as a recruit. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And then, I'd imagine it's probably T will starting at the four, which I don't feel great about. Cause I like him better as that, you know, spark plug off the bench role, but maybe Kyat ends up taking those minutes from him. I don't know. I, I bet T I bet it's Llewellyn at the one Buffkin at the two, Howard at the three T will at the four Dickinson at the five. And then you roll with Baker Reed, Kyat, maybe Jace Howard for some defense. And then whichever one of Barnes or Cheddar you like better, um, didn't mean to rhyme there, but I, you know, I guess I'm just a poet <laughs> out here, but yeah, um, I, I'd say that's probably your, your 10 man rotation at that point. And then you, you really hope that one of those guys from last year, uh, breaks out in Cheddar or Barnes, probably Barnes, I guess is the most, the more likely one too, but yeah. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm happy to disagree here. I'm much higher on this team than I think uh, either of you are. And I look at it this way, what we were expecting to come back was Kobe Bufkin, Jet Howard, Terrence Williams, Hunter Dickinson, Diabate, and Houston, We and Frankie Collins. You lose Collins, Houston, and Diabate. That's unexpected, but you bring in Jalen Nguyen. That is an upgrade over Frankie Collins. I know we were all super excited about that, but that is a oh, clear... 100%. Yep. All right, we're in 100%. We're... Cool. Llewellyn's an upgrade over Devontae Jones. In For terms sure. of the, his ability to create shots, his ability to, to get three-point shots, he's got a nice mid-range game. You know, it was a weird offense they ran at Princeton where they kind of ran two point guards at the same time. So he didn't really have, like, there wasn't a lot of space for him to just flat out create. But when in the sample size when he was by himself, he was just a dog in the Ivy League. And so I'm, I'm excited to see him with the Wolves. I think he's kind of the guy that's been slept on throughout the offseason here. He's probably going to end up being Michigan's second leading scorer behind Hunter Dickinson when it's all said and done. Oh, you're you're getting ahead of us. Benedict gonna... Frankie Collins. Be- Benedict Collins. Yeah, we'll get to him here in a minute. Um, but to continue my, my thought there, um, you lose Diabate and you bring in Kayette to replace him. Kayette is much better offensively 
than Musa Diabate already. He averaged 17 and a half and seven last year. He brings some defense. He's got length. He's got a seven foot wingspan. He moves extremely well, brings you a lot of off ball creation, a lot of slashing. I mean, we're talking about a massive offensive upgrade. He's also just a freshman. Diabate was a freshman. So, I mean, he's actually a little bit older than Diabate would be. So I, I think Kayette's an upgrade over Diabate. And then that leaves um, Joey Baker and, and Houston. And, and Houston was maybe the guy we lamented the most last year. And Joey Baker coming over from Duke, extremely proven. I think he is going to challenge for starting minutes right off the bat. And I think he could be an upgrade over Houston. So I look at this as absolutely better than what we were going to come in with. Should we, Would we have brought everyone back? But I, I could be I could be in the minority there. Yeah, I mean, with Joey Baker, it's just hard to tell with with his time at Duke just because you look at his stats and a lot of his stats happen to come in garbage time when the when when Duke was up by 30, but he's got a nice three-point stroke. He shot over 40% from 3 with the Blue Devils last season. Um he, you know, he he's got a smooth jump shot. He can he's got a really nice shot fake to get out of it for the mid-range game and stuff. He's a really solid offensive player. He just never really found time with Duke super uh, super deep roster. I would say that him and Howard are probably going to be your best three point shooters on the team next year. And I mean, when I think of the ideal offense for this Michigan team, I look on the Dwight Howard Orlando magic days where you have Hunter Dickinson in the post, and then he can kick it out to, you know, three point shooters surrounding him. So you give him Llewellyn, you give him Howard, you give him Joey Baker to kick out to, and you give him Kyat. That's four really nice above average three-point shooters that he'll have around him to kick to in the post and everything like that so from that standpoint yes I am high on Michigan I with with Baker he just he didn't play a whole lot so I'm just yes I think he'll still he'll challenge for some minutes at the, at the shooting guard but I I'd like I think that they're gonna keep him in like a Duncan Robinson type role off the bench that seems a little more realistic what do you think Andy that's where I'm seeing it as well and um I want to take this conversation a little bit larger and talk about it like as a whole. Where are you right now with Jawan Howard and this team? Oh, I'm I'm very high on Jawan Howard. I think I think Jawan Howard as a basketball coach is a, is a solid basketball coach. You know, they use NBA terminology. I you, you could you can nitpick on his play calling, and obviously there's the whole stuff about his temper and all that. But he's now has you know he now has two years of coaching under well three years of coaching actually. Uh, in, in Big Ten play under his belt. He's a he's a solid presence and everything. I, I like the outlook of this team. I do like they can now go out and get, um, you know, what, the, the thing about Beeline was, with Beeline it was like he'd always go out and get like the lower guys, the guys you wouldn't expect to get, and he developed them at Michigan. There hasn't been as much of a development thing with Howard, but the thing about Howard is he can go out and get those um go out and get those star recruits. When he, when he puts an offer into a high four-star or a five-star guy, Michigan's actually like a threat to land those guys. So that's how you elevate this Michigan team with Howard. And I do love him from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, I, I just really hope you get some development out of the guys that were freshmen on last year's roster with like Cheddar and Barnes and, and Bufkin and, and see some development there. But if you don't see development from those guys, and I'm going to be a little frustrated with Jawan Howard as, as myself and other Michigan fans would be, but you see that development, you see those guys contribute as regular role players, then yeah, I think I think Howard Howard's in a, a great spot with the team, honestly. I really I really do think that. We ride for Jawan Howard on this podcast. Uh, the other institution that we ride for, that's Home Field Apparel. And uh, at least one of the three of us is rocking some Home Field Apparel equipment right now. That's going to be Andy tonight. I'm rocking a different shirt. But, I mean, it's almost every day for me at this point. Home Field Apparel's got you covered. they got new school. they got old school. They've got any one of the colleges that you could want. Log on there. Peruse that selection. You're going to find something that you like. And if you can't, find someone for someone with maybe some better taste than you. And they will have something on there that they like. Makes for a great gift. And you can get 20% off your first purchase when you go to Home Field Apparel using MNB at checkout. All right, gentlemen, I want to start throwing around some categories for you. We're going to start. Kellen, you are our guest. So we're going to go a little bit rapid fire on this. So give me your top three leading scorers next year. I just want to hear them in, in, in order, of course. Let's go with Dickinson, Llewellyn, and uh, Jace, and not Jace, not Jace, uh, Jet Howard. 
Howard, I think, is your dark horse. Howard, I think Howard is a hot take here. I think Howard could end up being Michigan's leading scorer. I think he's that good offensively. But yeah, I, I, conservatively, I'll go Dickinson, Llewellyn, Jet Howard. I like it. Stole my answer there, so I got to switch it up. And I'm going to lean into the boldness of it a little bit more. I'm going to put Howard, Dickinson, Llewellyn. And I'm with you there, Kellen, with everything I've seen of Jet Howard. has been super advanced. He's a very fluid player, and you don't see that very often with teenagers like that. So I'm, I'm very high on him. And just for the sake of parody, I'm going to go with him first. I like it. Way to mix it up, fellas. We like parody on this podcast. I will also mix it up. I'll go Dickinson Llewellyn, and I'll go Joey Baker. I'm going to ride the Joey Baker train. I think that that's a seasoned okay. guy. We've okay. we've wanted somebody like that. Andy and I were big Shaundae Brown guys. I don't know where you stand on Shaundae Brown. I assuming you're uh, an American and not a communist. And you yeah, were. I love I love Shaundae Brown. I figured as much. You're a good man. So. I, I, I am. I, I can I can confirm that I am not a communist. <laughs> I, I, this, this is true. I, this is this I can confirm. You didn't have the look of it. You didn't have the look of it. Um, and yeah, we, we've been okay, wanting a guy like that. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with Baker. I'm going to go with Baker as my third. And I like it. Three different answers here. Um, nobody mentioning Kyat. Kyat's another uh, dark horse as well. But I love your Jet Howard love. Both of you. Jet Howard is an incredible, incredible recruit. Going to be easy to pull for, too. All right. Uh, next category, team strength. You can give me two things. You can give me an offense, a defense, or you can just give me one thing. Kellen, you are first. What is the strength of this team? I think this team's going to be an excellent rebounding team. I think Dickinson, obviously, in the middle, he, you saw him get better at it both offensively and defensively last year. T. Will's going to be playing alongside him a lot. You got, you know, you got Kyat, you got Cheddar, you got. A lot of guys at the four there. Maybe Greg Greg Glenn's a really good rebounder. He's probably gonna end up being a redshirt, but if he if he plays this season, he's gonna he's a dog on the boards. Uh, Terrace Reed's gonna be a great rebounder. I think this team is gonna be probably at least a top three team in the Big Ten in rebounding on both ends. Okay, I love that. I'm going to continue it, and I'm going to say shot creation is going to be a strength of this team, especially after last year. I think Jalen Llewellyn can create shots for people. I think Jet Howard can. I think Kyat can. Hunter Dickinson's improved as a passer every season, and I'll couple that, and I'll say uh, the wing defense will be improved this season. I think uh, anything's an improvement over Caleb Houston, really, and I think a big part of that is just effort. I think keeping the coaching staff continuity is a big, a big thing for player development there as well, so I think that'll add to it. So I'll go with uh, wing defense and shot creation. I love all of these answers. I think those are all correct. Uh, for the sake of parity, I'm going to go three point percent or three point shooting, just because I think it's going to take a big jump from last year. I'm not necessarily saying that that actually will be the strength of this team. I think it's way more likely shot creation, rebounding, second chance opportunities. Uh, but for the sake of parity, I'll say three point percentage because it's going to go up. And then on defense, uh, even though it is a repeat wing defense, Andy, you nailed it. I wanted to even double down on that. Yusuf Kayat gives me serious Franz Wagner vibes. I mean, there is a lot, a lot to compare between these two. And I think that he's going to come in and immediately be the guy that's asked to shut down, you know, the leading team's, uh, you know, best wing. And there's a lot of really good wings in Big Ten this year. So he's going to have his hands full every night. And I think Kayat is the guy for it. So, um, all right, like that. All right, best hair on the team. This is an important category. I mean, it's got to be Terrence Williams, right? I mean, with the the you know the the dreads that he has, with the blonde tips, you know, he can, when he takes them out and goes long, that that's also well. I like when he wears them up top, up with a headband underneath. Like, I, it's it's got to be Terrence Williams. He's he had it last year. He's got it again, right? Am I missing something here? Oh, you would like to think it's Terrence Williams. <laughs> I ride for Terry too, sick as hard as anybody. But I'm going with Isaiah Barnes because in the team picture, he had the fro grown out. And I'm just a big fan of the artist Gilmore look. And especially if he can come off that injury and be a dog out there or just even be a contributor. He keeps the hair large for me. The game gets large with it. I know we can only take – sorry to – sorry to quick, quick tangent here. I know we can only take so much away from workout videos, but that that image of him jumping like – what was it? Like 45, 46 inches with, uh, with Coach Sanderson, that got me excited. 
that got me really excited. The dude can fly. Got you excited. You should have seen me. I went from oh, I went man. from six to midnight, boys. There's no shame in that. It's uh, I I mean, we can talk about Barnes too. We can carve out some time for that because I am super high on him, and uh, I think it's Barnes too. But uh, just for the sake of parody, I'll mix it up. I'm gonna go Jalen the Wen. Uh, he's got the dreads flowing. They're like down past the nose. They're looking pretty healthy. That's pretty good. But all good choices. All good choices. Joey Baker gets his hair cut at Supercuts, so that would have been the only thing that I'm like, really, Joey Baker? I don't know about that. All right. You know, I I think. On the hair front, Hunter Dickinson needs to keep with the long hair look. I hate the buzz cut look that he has. It, it, I, I, he's got to stick with the flow. It works for the hateability of him. It, I agree. It's got, it's got to be the flow for Hunter Dickinson. I agree. Hunter, but if you're listening, grow your hair out again. Next go season, go full villain. We were loving villain Dickinson. That was yes. great. All right. Yes. Uh, weaknesses of this team, Kellen. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was an issue last year it was an issue again this year. It, I, I would expect would be shot creation. You know, Llewellyn's going to be able to get his own shot. Dickinson's going to be able to get his own shot. But the problem that Michigan ran into last year is there was a lot of times where people were just standing around waiting for Dickinson and Eli Brooks to do something. I think it's going to be kind of a similar issue this year, honestly. Uh, I, I, I like Kaya. I, I like Kaya. I probably a little less than you guys. I'm just nervous about him coming in and playing college basketball for the first time and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I jet Howard's going to obviously be, be in the mix there, but yeah, I'd let, I wish that they had another uh, a, one or two more good shot creators. So I'll say that as a weakness. I'll go off that a little bit. I'll say uh, player movement. I, I think that's been a big issue. I'll just leave it at that because I do think like jet Howard, Kaya, these guys can at least get their own shot. And a lot of players last year struggled with it. And I'll say continuity because I think losing all the guys they did and injecting guys that have been in different systems. And I mean, uh, Llewellyn didn't even get to play ball a couple years ago. So it's been an up and down battle. And then Kayak coming over to the States, adjusting to the game. So I think there'll be some continuity issues just to work out through the first like month or two of the season. I think shot creation is going to go up a little bit this year because I like Luen's uh, athleticism more than Eli Brooks. I like his ability to get his own shot. I like Kayat's ability to get his own shot. I like Howard's ability to get his own shot. And Baker, to a degree, can get his own shot. If you really, really need him to, he can do some stuff. So I think we got some guys that can. I just Oh, go ahead, please. Yeah, it, it is a slight improvement from last year. It's just still not at the area that you'd want to see it Fair in terms of what in terms of in terms of offense. Fair enough. Offense. Yep. Fair enough. And I mean, I chose three point percentage shooting, even though I don't think we're going to be a tremendous three point team, but it's going to be better. Um, I'll say for weakness, I'll go um, I'll go half court offense because you have some guys that can get their shot. But like if you play up against uh, I mean, we're going to have to face Illinois twice. And Illinois has got a, a loaded roster with some really athletic wings this year. Um, they're good at the center position. Purdue is loaded at the center position. When Dickinson can't be your, your primary point of offense, Lu, when Luen can't drive past his guy, then what happens in the half court? So uh, that's one. And then um, uh, another one maybe worth mentioning is still rim protection. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, no one's going to confuse him for an elite rim protector. So uh, so long as he's there, that's still it. But um, this is not this isn't one that I had listed, but. Who takes over on this as kind of that secondary rim protector? Is it Barnes? Is it Kayette? Who do you guys see? Probably Barnes. Probably Barnes early on. I think that's that's probably why he's going to get a lot of yeah, why he could get some minutes early on would be would be Barnes. Um, but yeah, they're going to really miss Diabate's defense next year. That's yeah. that's probably the honestly that's probably the biggest loss out of the out of him and Houston going to the draft. Oh, I is, agree. Is Diabate's defense and how he can help as a help side defender and stuff. Yep, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I'm w- I'm with you there as well. I'd like to add one more name I think that could really help out, and I would like uh, Terrace Reed at center at 6'10", 260. I think if he can come in and adapt to the banging of the college game, he could also help out. Great point. Yeah, I mean, he is Michigan's highest-rated recruit next year. He is he is on the, he is slightly higher than Jet Howard, and he's he's an incredible two-way guy. I think Musa with a little bit better uh, post-game and mid-range game is is what is is what you could potentially see out of him. I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, Kellen, because uh, I don't have it in front of me. Houston was one of the highest-rated recruits that we've had in a long time. Is Reed above yes, him, like yes. nationally? No, 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 no. Um, I think I think Houston was probably about ten slots higher than what you're seeing out of um, Reed. Um, but I mean, Reed's Reed's honestly high up there. He's a high four-star, probably close to a five-star. So yeah, I mean, Reed. 
Reed would probably be about higher than Diabate was last year, I think, off the top of my head. Caleb right, Houston was our highest rated recruit ever. Uh, he was one and Musa was two. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right, then. Well, that, that, there you have that. Did you dome or did you look that up really fast? I, I pulled it up on 24-7. Okay, okay. Fastest, nice. fastest typist in the West right there. Um, all right, uh, next category. <laughs> Big 10 team or coach most likely to prompt a slap from Jawan Howard? I This is the category that I was looking the most forward to on the Google Doc because I don't know about you guys, but – uh, I, I know you, I know you guys are big fans of the ringer and Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons, whole punchable uh, Austin rivers, punchable face category. <laughs> yes. Brad Underwood has the most yes. punchable face in all of college basketball. He looks, he looks like he just, he looks like he's like not fun to be around. I don't know. Like he, it, and, and Illinois is going to be good. And those games were scrappy last year and they're going to be scrappy again. I, I just Brad Underwood just seems like a prick all the way around. So I, I'd say Brad Underwood is is the leader of this category. Oh, it's it's a runaway. It's a it runaway. is a runaway by Brad Underwood. You can don't want to don't throw your Greg guards at me. I don't even want to hear that name anymore. No, it's it's Brad Underwood. And I think it's partially because of the Illinois fan base getting loud the last couple years and then flaming out in the NCAA tournament. And you know, just you know, getting a little too big for their britches. And sometimes you got to slap them down. That is the answer. I wanted to be different, but I mean, it is unanimous across the board. I mean, there's some players out there, but I mean, it's Brad Underwood. Let's who are we kidding here? Illinois, like you said, uh, would love to take them down a peg back to where to whence they belong. I mean, the last time Illinois was the last time Illinois was relevant, I was six years old and now I'm paying my own taxes. So that, that's <laughs> that's that's we're, we're not looking at a. A hefty, a hefty program at at Illinois when it comes to basketball doesn't doesn't quite make the dynasty. I was young as well, but I'm still not paying taxes. So. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's it's just funny how they like to claim the the co regular season title and all that stuff. It, it's it's just it's 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 fun fodder. It, it is. It's cute. It really is. I love it. Not as cute as Andy admitting tax evasion on this podcast, but I love that as well. Um, all right. Uh, I don't think the IRS listens to so many podcasts. I wouldn't imagine other, other than NPR, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably IRS isn't fun enough to listen to out of the blue. We know that for a fact. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, best pro prospect who you got. Uh, it, this is jet Howard. I mean, he's already, he's already popped up on a few mock drafts. Uh, I got it right, right in front of me here. Uh, Gary Parrish with CBS Sports had him going number 10 to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Sports Illustrated's Oklahoma City Thunder staff had him going to 21 to the Grizzlies. SB Nation's own Ricky O'Donnell, shout out SB Nation. He was ranked 17th best recruit on his first big board of 2023. So, I mean, we've talked about it already, but the shot creation, the three-point ability, the length on defense – He's got everything you'd want out of an NBA player. And, uh, uh, you know, if he ends up, if he, I, I, I'd expect him to be a, a first round pick this year. It's Jet Howard. I think the only one I'd like to mention is also Yusef Kayev, just because of the potential and what he can bring to the game. Kind of explode like an Iggy Brazdakis did. Um, but no, I, I'm with you, Kelm, with everything you said about Jet Howard, especially what he brings on offense. That His game is so polished for being so young. That is the correct answer. Jet Howard has a little Paulo Bancaro in him. I mean, similar types of players and how they want to get their shot, but I think Jet's probably coming in as a little bit more polished of a shooter already. We'll see. I don't really want to put that out there yet until I see him actually shoot the college three, but uh, all indicators are that this guy can shoot. He can get his own shot. He's going to have more of a defensive motor coming in just because of who his dad is and the college that he chose to go to. So yeah, super high on Jet Howard. You mentioned Yusuf. That was who I was going to mention here um so just for the sake of parody uh how about terrace reed i mean terrace reed centers big men aren't exactly um the, the uh you know soup du jour anymore but that is still a guy that if he hits uh, he could hit really really big and if we see any type of shot creation from him if that guy makes a 17 footer like you're gonna see him rising up draft boards like immediately if he can shoot even a little bit so that's a guy that could really mm-hmm. rise um while we're on this i didn't have this he's point got in a the nice re- close repertoire too yeah yeah no, yeah go ahead. Sorry. he does no no you're fine um give me some for for your uh pick three players and give me a pro comp for them or another michigan player comp this wasn't in the doc, so but we like to keep uh, on your toes. The, in terms of the, in terms of the recruits that are coming in, would you anybody, say? Anybody, anybody on the team, guys? anybody, anybody on the team. Oh boy, wow, 
um, this is just right off the dome here. Yep. Um, I mean, Jet Howard's gonna be better than Caleb Houston ends up being. I think he's got he's got the he's a more versatile scorer than Houston was. Um, Doug McDaniel's got a lot of Ish Smith in his game. Shout out Ish Smith. Like uh, that. Now just broke the record for most. Uh, uh, got, he's now gonna be on his 14th NBA team. That's a that's a that's a professional basketball record for the NBA. So I mean, he's got that Ish Smith in him in terms of the quickness, in terms of his speed, in terms of. Um, you know, in terms of his ability to to go up and down the floor, his on-ball defense and everything like that. Um, and then I'll throw one in for Greg Glenn here because I do like me some Greg Glenn. Go watch some Greg Glenn highlights uh, for, for y'all out there looking to, for something to do. Um, this is a bit of a stretch from the offensive standpoint, but Greg Glenn has a lot of college Julius Randle in him in terms of his ability to just punt the rebound and be a junkyard dog on defense. Uh I'd say college Julius Randle minus the offense is what you're going to get out of Greg Glenn um, recruiting wise. But I'll let Andy give you give you um, a pro comp for Terrace Reed because I know he's got one right off the top of his head here. <laughs> I wish I had one. Jared throws these at me all the time and I just like fumble all over myself like a girl just asked me like for my name. Um <laughs> No, no. I mean, I I really like what you said. I I wish I'd come a little bit more prepared with my basketball knowledge there. But uh, the player I like a lot is um, I'll go with, with Terrence Williams because I think Terry also like falls between the cracks a lot, and I think he's got that game where it, it's going to take some like a big leap for him to be in the NBA. But he has just that role I love off the bench. Those big guys that develop a shot later in their career. Um, it it reminds me of like, I don't know how tall he was, but it's like skinny Jared Dudley, the way he's been playing now, the way he can get down in the paint and play well out there, but his game really had to expand. Uh, Dudley, however, like when he was in college was more of a banger, but when he was with Phoenix, he really stretched his game out. And that seems to be what uh, Terrence Williams is doing. So I'm going to go with skinny Jared Dudley. I bet you didn't have that on your bingo okay. card. No, that's, that's I a good one. That. That's a good one. I, I like that comparison. I love do that. We do, uh, do we do breaking news in this podcast? Is that something that we, that we, that we do on this podcast? We do now. Some breaking news. What do you yes. got? Uh, Pete Thamel from ESPN is reporting that USC and UCLA have been notified that their application to join the big 10 has been accepted. The schools will begin play in 2024 so the west coast road trip get two years from now it's going to be on your calendars usc and ucla officially coming to the big 10 how do y'all feel about that well we just we just did a whole first half about that because we were kind of anticipating (laughs) but now it's official um i thought i thought i was being cool here but yeah (laughs) you still are cool my friend but yeah we kind of anticipated it wasn't official when we reported it in the first half it is official now. So that is still news that it's locked in. It would have taken a miracle for that not yeah. to go through. Um, it's crazy, man. But we can talk about, since yeah. you mentioned that, uh, the basketball implications. US, UCLA in the Big Ten for basketball, that is crazy. That is definitely now the most dominant conference in basketball, right? That's awesome. That's 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 awesome. And being able to go and compete against uh, good coaches and Mick Cronin and Andy Enfield out there West Coast, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's it's going to be good for good from a basketball standpoint for Michigan to be able to test themselves against programs of that caliber uh, as the years go along here. So, yeah, it, it's it's ultimately a great thing for the Big Ten at, at large, but especially for basketball, because you're going to be able to test yourself on that West Coast road trip and stuff. I know it's a it's a long it's a long trip for the guys, but yeah, I think it'll end up ultimately being a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I love Kellen's first time on the podcast, and he's breaking news. What a pro! Well, I didn't break a the news; pro. I was just reading the breaking news. A so, pro, yeah. I love it, man. Um, all right, last two questions here: Big Ten team to beat. Who you got? You know, I was I was looking through teams on this one. Um, I I think you I think you gotta you gotta I, I'll I think I think I know who you guys are gonna mention. So I'm gonna pull out a name that I don't think you're gonna mention. I like Rutgers this year. Um, you know, Paul Mulcahy, he's coming back. Cliff uh, Clifford o- Omaruri, I think I'd probably butchered that name, but he 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 was a great big man in the Big Ten last year. Alley oop machine, uh, great defending the rim. He's coming back next year. Caleb Donald's probably going to end up repeating as Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. They got an incoming transfer, Cam Spencer. They're going to badly miss uh, Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker next year, but they're still they still got a solid squad, and I think they've that they've established themselves towards the top of the Big Ten here. God, the pro Rutgers love on this podcast. I love it, man. What an answer. Um, 
not to not to be John Roth's team, but I do think it's going to be. I think Indiana is going to be a really good team. They're not going to bulldoze or be like a crazy dominant team, but I think they're going to be really good. And I'm a huge fan of Trace Jackson Davis. That guy is just, I mean, a dog on the court of the highest level, especially after what they did to Michigan in the Big Ten tournament with that come from behind victory. So I think it's going to be Indiana. I think they're going to be the front runner at least to begin the season. Wow, I'm surprised that it gets all the way to me, and I have to say Illinois, who's uh, the highest ranked on the preseason favorites. Purdue still brings back quite a few guys. Purdue's worth mentioning here. Zach Ivey, that gigantic human being that should not be allowed to exist, is back, but he's not exactly scaring anyone. Uh, But Illinois bringing in Terrence Shannon might be the best player in the Big Ten. He certainly has a case for it. A guy that Michigan flirted with. Really wish we could have brought him in. Uh, So I'll go with Illinois. Uh, but Michigan's right there. I mean, uh, we can we can throw that question on there. But I mean, Michigan, I, don't, I think if we were all to rank it out, probably wouldn't drop below third in any of our rankings, preseason rankings. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. And if Diabate and Houston came back, they'd probably be the favorite in the Big Ten, honestly. Yeah, could could very well be the case. All right. Uh, last question, boys. Uh, predict the ceiling of this team. You can go uh, regular. Actually, give me regular season and tournament. Regular season, I'd say the ceiling is a top three finish. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten. I think it's going to end up being one of Indiana or Illinois. But I'd say a top three, top two finish in the Big Ten. And then for the tournament, probably probably Sweet 16 run again. Maybe Elite Eight. If 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 Jet Howard ends up ends up reaching his NBA potential, you get that you get that. You know, you get that you get that go-to score late in games that Michigan was kind of lacking last year. But yeah, I'd say Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight is the ceiling, probably tournament-wise. So I'll go just a little bit higher than Kellen. I think they could finish like uh, as high as runner-up in the conference. I'm not going to predict a win in the conference, uh, but I will say they could be as high as runner-up. And for the tournament, I'm just going to go ahead and say as high as the Final Four, not the national championship, but I'll say the Final Four because last year's team made the Sweet Sixteen. Like, say what we will about Jawan Howard, anybody that wants to be negative, but he gets that team really ready to play during tournament time to grind out some wins. And that win against Tennessee last year just really stuck with me in my brain. Just like, okay, he can get this team to be the best they need to be on any given night in the tournament. So I'll say Final Four is the ceiling. I love it. And uh, by the the increasing um, returns property here, which is a property I just made up, I'm going to go with they win the Big Ten. And they win the whole damn thing. I think that is legitimately the ceiling of this. I'm there, baby. Let's go. What are we doing? What do we do a podcast for if not to prognosticate and make bold predictions? They absolutely could win the Big Ten. You could convince me of that uh, very easily. Kaya and Reed are ready to go early on. Jet Howard is as advertised. Hunter Dickinson takes a small step forward. Luen just does what we know he can do. Yeah, that's a Big Ten winning team. No problem. You'll you'll need some contributions off. There the definitely bench. is. Yeah. 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 No, I I love that confidence. There definitely is a, a scenario where they do win the Big Ten. If if Hunter Dickinson's the Big Ten Player of the Year, all the you know Kaya and Baker are great contributors off the bench. Jet Howard plays up to his potential and grows into the go to scorer late in games. Uh, yeah, th- there is a there is a path for them to get to the Big Ten to to win the Big Ten. They're just so young that I just. I worry about that same variance issues that they had last year. I I agree with you. I'll say they don't win the Big Ten, but I'm with Andy that like we've seen in the past that these young teams like Howard is a magician when given time to grow with these teams. And I think this is a team that's going to get better as the year goes on. And I think it's a team that has a higher ceiling than it would have if we just brought back everybody that we were planning on bringing back. So, yeah, why why shouldn't the ceiling be national championship? Why not? I mean, that's that's the standard anyway. What did Michael Jordan say in that press? What did, that, what did Michael Jordan say once? The ceiling is the roof? The, the, the ceiling is the roof. Team. <laughs> yeah, he said that before one of North Carolina's games a few years ago, I think. I'm going to have that same energy after 15 white claws. Yeah. on july 4th oh yeah <laughs> the ceiling, the is, ceiling the roof. is the roof what does that even mean don't worry about it well i think i think it's supposed to imply that like the ceiling is like higher than it's higher than the ceiling it's the roof because the roof is above this i don't know i don't know, I I don't think know. That's what it was supposed to so it's mean, like slightly I'm not, higher I'm than the ceiling <laughs> no it, it's significantly higher i would say in most houses yeah 
All right. Well, we're uh, we're deep into the weeds now. Uh, before we get out of here, got to give some uh, some credit. John Beeline is being inducted into the National College Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, Kellen, cook on John Beeline. You've got uh, a minute and a half if you want it. Tell us your thoughts on John Beeline. I would think that I would think that John Beeline is John. God, I said his name wrong to start. Jesus Christ. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I think you know John Beeline is a reason why guys our age fell in love with Michigan basketball. He returned Michigan basketball to to their relevancy. You know, he got him to the NC, got him to the NCAA tournament in 09, uh, in 08, 09, and just kept going from there. You look to the Manny Harris teams, and it, it got even better from there. The Zach Novak and Stu Douglas teams, and, and, it, and it continued to get better. You know, we're all going to remember the 2013 title run, the 2018 title run. John Beeline had a knack for getting the most out of low t- low touted recruits. Got bringing in three stars, two stars, unranked recruits, and just making them the best that they could be. He seems, you know, a 63.7% coach, uh, winning percentage as a coach, incredibly, incredibly consistent, always had Michigan towards the top, had a number one regular season ranking throughout a lot of his time at Michigan. The guy's an absolute stud. He deserves to be in the, in the, in the National Basketball Hall of Fame, and he seems like a great human being. So there you have it. Andy, why do you love John Beeline? John Beeline is the pinnacle of man. I mean, just first and foremost. Some would call him the Kellen Voss of men. Um, John wow. Beeline is just a that's, a, that's it, a high standard for for me to to have to to be the the the, the best of all men ever. It's a, a high standard for John Beeline. You bite your tongue, um, <laughs> but. But no, no, John Beeline was as great of a human being as he was a coach, was just notoriously like uh, inside the rules at all times, ran a great program, uh, really identified players that had been given up on or never given a chance and got the most out of them. Uh, It's good to see Michigan and him still have such a great relationship now. He's often seen in the stands at Chrysler catching a game here and there. Uh, For all three of us, it's great that he's working in player development with the Pistons now because they seem to be slowly creeping back towards relevancy, at least competency at the very least. So that's been welcome to see. No, I mean, if you don't like John Beeline, that's like not liking Tom Hanks. Like John Beeline is just that type of a human being and coach, and he deserves all the accolades he can get. Yeah, we won't even accept those kind of takes. Those are just outlandish takes here. John Beeline is, I don't know about the pinnacle of man being like in his 70s, but like what a man should be morally. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure he's still quite, you know, virile for a 70 something year old guy. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to mess with him. He's got some reach on that right hook back half of this podcast we can debate john beeline's virility <laughs> <laughs> we've got another 20 minutes let's talk I'm, about it i'm but. not gonna touch that. <laughs> i'm not gonna touch that. no 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 nor should we nor should we but congratulations to john beeline michigan fans owe him a uh, debt of gratitude for and what he's chris weber as well chris weber got inducted too right in, in some capacity yes i don't know if it's the yes yeah. he did who yeah we we for sure claim chris weber so Happy for him as well. C-Web is uh, and a great on-air personality. So congrats to both of those guys. Uh, gentlemen, this was fun. I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Kellen, thank you for uh, for coming on. Where can our listeners check out your work? Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate this. And, and once I'm I'm fully I'm I'm in the midst of a move here, so once I'm fully settled in my new place, I'd love to love to keep keep going and keep talking with you guys. But yeah, on Twitter. Um, it's, it's at Kellen K E L E N. It's like Ellen DeGeneres with a K at the beginning, two underscores after that. And then Voss, like the water V O S S no relation. I wish there was. Um, and then, uh, you can find my work over at maize and brew, um, you know, doing a lot of basketball stuff now, a lot of recruiting, uh, a lot of mostly recruiting stuff, but you know, outlooks of the roster, we're going to be doing more full in-depth player breakdowns of what you can expect from guys like, uh, like uh, Barnes and Cheddar and those guys. So yeah, um, just just keep following us at Maze and Brew. We'll be pumping out a lot of great content. I know you guys are gonna keep keep the good times rolling. So I'm gonna keep it rolling too. So that a boy. He's smooth like the water, and he won't yell at you like Ellen does her staff. Yeah, that, this is true. I, I I I'd like to think of myself as a better human being than Ellen DeGeneres. Although that's a low that's a low bar to clear. So yeah. <laughs> Cleaner than water and kinder than degenerous. That's what they say about him. They, yes, they... <laughs> yes, that's 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 fantastic. We should put that on a T-shirt. We'll see if Homefield can can get that. Hook up. I like where your head's but, at. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. 
I'm Jared. That's Andy and Kellen. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.